What's up, guys? Before we get started today, I just wanted to kind of like give you a little bit of background on what's going on. Um, at about the 300 second mark, you're going to hear it kind of drop out and then pop back in as we get started talking about the conjugate sequencing. And if you hear that, just know that was intended. Well, I had a bit of a snafu, to be honest with you. I kind of messed up in the post-production. And so I just want to be honest with you guys. That's where it's from. Okay. And so anyways, um, long story short, my family actually moved. Um, a little bit about my personal life. We moved about 10 minutes up the road. We're no longer 60 seconds away from the gym facility anymore. Um, and it kind of got me thinking, you know, now I've got this, I've got drive time now to go to work and to go home from work. And I'm not a music guy anymore. Um, since I've been in my 20s, you know, we I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so I really like the shorter, more bite-sized ones uh, that are maybe 10 to 20 minutes that I can finish on the drive to work or maybe in one day to and from work. Those are just really easy for me. And I thought for a second, I go, man, if I like these, there might be other people like me out there that also like that. And so... I realized in thinking about that, that, you know, maybe, maybe this is the solution to my consistency problems. Instead of having to edit um, an hour to a two hour long uh, recording all in one sitting, you know, that requires, I mean, I don't always have three hours in a day to do that. Maybe now if we kind of chunk it into smaller bits, uh, we can get out more actionable, tangible uh, tips, tricks, advice, learning, knowledge, whatever you want to call it, to help you guys get to where you need to be faster and hopefully in a way that we can be more consistent producing it for you. So anyways, until I come up with a better name, these are going to be the house blend quickies, all right? And today's our first one, all right? It's about 25 minutes long. It's, uh, and hopefully they get shorter from there as I learn how to, you know, control my mouth. And then, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to just focus on like a topic at a time, either answering questions or rattling off whatever's on my mind or whatever's currently going on in the gym uh, in a way that hopefully brings a ton of value to you that you can go take into your own lifting or athletic performance career or your athletes, whatever the case may be, and start using it immediately instead of having to wait for every episode because who knows when they're going to come, right? Because it's me. So anyways, I appreciate you guys. Um, thank you so much for being patient with me and, and, and going along for the ride. I promise this one's going to be worth it. It's an absolute banger. So without further ado, enjoy the pod. In the strength and conditioning industry is, um, is the sequencing of conjugate because a lot of guys are gravitate towards the conjugate system thinking that it's just randomness all the time and I'm turning up my gain guys because I can't hear myself now I can okay so sorry if I just got louder in your car um but people gravitate towards you know the system that Louis popularized thinking that random you know variation is going to get them the results they want and maybe that's coming from a background of like you know ADHD or just training boredom, or, hey, I want to apply chains, chains and bands to whatever I can, everything I see. And I'm telling you right now, Louis himself would say, and he has said, um, random training gets random results. Okay, and I think he said it in other words, but that's how I, how, how I paraphrase it. If you don't go in with a plan, you're planning to fail. We've all heard that. Well, this style of training is no different. Okay, and unless you are an elite you know, super heavyweight powerlifter that's been doing this for decades now, you probably don't need that much variation. And you should probably go into it with a plan in place. 
Okay, even those guys have plans, although they might be a little bit more short form than than ours. For the vast majority, for everybody listening to this, for all intents and purposes, you're going to need a sequence of events that's well thought out, it's premeditated, and executed at a high level. Then, once you've done that, it should have taken you, I don't know, anywhere from four to 16 weeks maybe, or maybe you planned out a whole year ahead. I, I don't, the, how you approach that is completely up to you. But the only way to make your system better is to stick with it long enough to see results or not see results and then adapt based on what happens. It's just one big science experiment. We got to start thinking of training that way. Okay. It's not, there are no end all be all exercises. There are no methods that work for everybody across the board. You got to figure out what works best for you and your athletes and go from there. But the thing of it is you got to stick with your processes long enough to see a result or not, and then change. Okay. That's, that's the take home message here. All right. So what do my systems look like? Well, if you've listened to me talk for any length of time, we like to surf the force velocity curve. Okay. So let's just say that we've got a balanced athlete, you know, one that's not deficient in any one thing in a glaring way. You know, we're going to attack his accessories, his auxiliaries, his jumps, all that stuff to address these things. But let's say we want to come up with like a block training program, right? Or rather a conjugate sequencing uh, program that revolves around each special strength feeding into the next one, resulting in um, a higher performing athlete at the end of a longer term cycle. What does that look like? Well, we know, okay, and for, well, rather, for those of you who don't know, I'll just treat it like you guys don't know what this is. Um, the force velocity curve is like a spectrum, okay? On the far left, we have activities that produce the highest amount of force, okay? But with more force, or excuse me, uh, well, we're moving more mass, right? We're producing more force, and but the velocity is low, okay? These are going to be your like, gosh, 90% and above lifts, okay? Slow, grindy stuff, okay? And as we go down the curve to the right, the velocity increases as the load decreases, Okay, so force also decreases because the velocity is increasing. Okay, we're getting into more athletic, explosive stuff here. Okay, so from left to right, we're going absolute strength. That's like, a, um, you know, depending on who you ask, it's 90% above or maybe it's 100% above if you're talking to Lulu Simmons, right? Then there's strength speed. Okay, that's slow velocities. Okay, we got speed strength. That's anywhere from like 70 to 85%. Um, I'm going to throw in some other ones in here, okay, because I, I don't like there to be gaps in here. You know, if, regardless of the textbook you read, you're going to see that power development comes from, you know, 50 to 70% of your one rep max. So power is going to be 50, kind of there in the middle, 50 to 70%. Then we've got explosive strength, which is really, in my opinion, again, varies depending on who you ask. You ask Brian Mann, he's going to say something completely different. Uh, explosive strength is 30 to 45% in my book. And then true speed i'm talking like the fastest of the fast you know that's 30 percent and under okay but just to give you a range let's just say it's like 20 to 30 percent that's going to be very light load think of like you know your resisted sprints resisted jumps that kind of stuff and then lastly um and this isn't i mean it's not super velocity dependent but if you're talking about you know speed endurance right we're looking at like 10 to 15 percent for longer durations right so that, that's from left to right. It goes from heavy to light, from slow to fast. 
Now, as we're developing athletes, we always have to create a, create a plan with the end in mind and then, and then backtrack it from there. So you have to know what the goal is in order to come up with the, um, what's the word I'm looking for in order to determine the process that's going to end in that result. Okay. I'm going to repeat that one more time because a lot of people will get this wrong. You have to start with the end in mind and backtrack from there. So that way, no matter if you have four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, or a year to prepare an athlete, you can stage each uh, phase of their development according to what they should be hitting at different times of the year based on you know when their most important competitions are, uh, based on do they get a real off season? Are they playing two sports? Um, do they have an indoor and an outdoor season? All these things go into play. Right, But for all intents and purposes, for the sake of example, we're just going to assume that there's a single sport athlete with an entire off season to, um, you know, a, a traditional, maybe a six to nine month off season to really prepare uh, to play their best. Okay. So let's, where do we start? Well, we know that <clears throat> for the most part, like let's talk about a field sport athlete. Okay. They got to be fast. Speed kills. So if you're like, all right, this kid has to be playing absolutely out of his mind fast in August, then I might, you know, uh, create a plan. Uh, let's say we have 16 weeks to get them there or, or maybe 12 weeks. Let's just, let's make it 12. Let's make it shorter. If I have 12 weeks to get that athlete as stupid fast as possible, I'm going to make sure I go in with a plan to get them peaking there. Okay. Now programming 101, we got to start general with general exercises, general means and general methods, and then and then uh, over time work our way into more specific, sport specific, more velocity specific, more load specific training. Okay, remember these guys aren't they don't have barbells out there on the field, so we want them moving fast. In August, we're going to start more generally twelve weeks out. Okay, so let's talk about that. Well. We're not going to talk about GPP phases, okay? So let's, I'm actually going to backtrack. I'm going to eat my words again. Let's make it a 16-week phase. Four weeks, first four weeks are going to be spent doing very general exercises, okay? We got to get them in shape to train, essentially. We can't just put, a, put them under a heavy barbell or have them doing depth jumps or whatever, you know, without, without the preparation, the structural stability, the structural strength for that matter, uh, and makeup to actually like withstand that kind of a beating. They're going to get more out of their eventual peak if they go into it with a higher level of fitness, um, you know, to start with. So first four weeks, I like to start by just getting them in shape. It's not about velocities. It's not about loads, not about any of that stuff. It's like, dude, let's just get in shape and train. It's a lot of conditioning, sleds, war wagons, kettlebell swings, um, stuff done for time, you know, escalating density, uh, you name it. But those first four weeks, that's what I'm doing currently with my, the rugby team I'm working with. We're doing a ton of general stuff that doesn't look like rugby, but is meant to raise their preparedness to essentially form a larger foundation. So the, the, the later peak can be taller. Okay. Okay. So then we start getting into more special strength development. Okay. So, so now the 12 week starts first three weeks. I like three week waves. That's how I've always done it. Okay. Um, kind of teeter between three and four week waves, but I'm super ADHD. So I like faster, um, um, cycles, you know, I want to get onto the next thing as fast as possible, um, while still listing the adaptation that I want. Um, and if you guys don't know the body runs on 21 day cycles. Okay. So if, if we want to, if you give me four weeks with an athlete, we're, I'm going to take them through a three-week cycle, and that fourth week, I guarantee I can make something different of them, 
Okay. So the first three weeks are going to be spent usually, um, you know, I like to specialize two things. Um, number one, their jumps are going to reflect the special strength that we're focusing on. And, um, also the dynamic effort work. So their dynamic effort day, which is usually a speed day is also going to reflect, you know, the special strength that we're developing. Okay. And that's just the way I've always done it. Not, not saying it's the end all be all. That's just how we do it. Okay. So the first three weeks are going to be spent working strength, speed, um, thresholds, right? Strength, speed, is going to train those heavier loads moved at higher velocities. We use Tendo units for that. So even though the stuff may feel heavy, right, at, you know, 85% and above, 90% and above, we're still putting amazing intention into that strength speed. So heavy loads move fast and loaded jumps. Phase two, we're going to go to speed strength. Okay. Velocities are going up as the load is coming down. So now we're working those traditional dynamic effort, uh, uh, ranges, right? We are doing 70 to 85% work with the barbell. Okay. Moved anywhere from 0.9 to 0.6 meters per second. Uh, again, maximal velocities, submaximal weight, And now our plyometrics are a mix of both load, okay? A little bit lighter load though. So if we were like, let's say we were jumping with 25 pound dumbbells, now they go to 15s, right? We're still loading them, but they are getting faster. And we're also gonna mix in some body weight stuff with more of a height focus. So now I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna contrast our dumbbell jumps with our vert vert jump mat. We're going to um, do some loaded jumps uh, with, with 12 inch, uh, step off depth jumps off a box, right? We're going to do, um, uh, weight vest with ankle weight hurdle hops, uh, right into, um, maybe just a, a, a seated box jump. I don't care, but it's a mixture of body weight and with a height focus. Now we're trying to break records, right? Um, with, 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 uh, load, uh, preceding it. Okay. So that's phase two, phase three, this, these are weeks seven through nine. Now we're going to go into more of a power focus with our dynamic effort work. So we're working in that 50 to 70% range. Okay. I really like uh, trap bar jumps for this. Okay. Straight weight. Just get off the ground. You don't even, I mean, you can put them on a jump mat if you want, but I, I don't even see the point. I like to get a PVC pipe, hold that over my kids' heads and have them try to touch their head to that PVC pipe. They got to get long. They got to get triple extension and they have to, uh, really accelerate that weight and get their hips underneath them. Okay. Great cue for them is, you know, I always ask for permission, but you know, you can, you can kind of guide them by, by pressing into them, uh, onto their chest or their, you know, right their clavicle area. And then also put a hand on the small of their back. And we're trying to get their hips underneath them as fast as possible. Get them to feel that and really driving through with the glutes. You can solve a lot of general uh, athletic weaknesses with that one movement. Um, but then some other ones, you know, uh, we can do more barbell work. That's really straightforward. We can also do like uh, 50 to 70%, you know, prowler pushes, prowler sprints, sled sprints, you name it. Okay. And then their plyos are going to overload the eccentrics here. Okay. So power, remember, is work divided by time. So if we want to develop great power, we want to have a, um, uh, we want to, we want to really work on absorbing, uh, the, f- what, uh, the load that gravity is imposing on our body as we're dropping off of something. 
or as we are lowering our body, maybe it's like, you know, the banded overload, um, the band release or the dumbbell release, box jumps, whatever. Those are going to be a great thing here. If you guys have never done those are a great tool. Um, one of my favorite jump variations is where, you know, an athlete's holding, I don't know, fifties like dumbbells, right? And they, they hinge at the hips really quick. They, they, their body's going to feel all of that, those 50 pound dumbbells pulling them to the ground and at the, in the hole, they're going to release them without stopping and they're going to immediately bounce up onto that box. So what do we do? We overloaded them on the way down their body, or their body, uh, adjusts to that overload. And then it produces a greater spring effect to get onto that box. Okay. Really like that one. So phase three, this is weeks through seven through nine. We're working power. Okay, on all of our dynamic stuff, 50 to 70%, and then we're gonna overload their eccentric, uh, the eccentric portion of their jumps and their plyometrics, okay? And then finally, we're getting into like, okay, we're getting close to August now, we're getting close to season, we're gonna work more explosive strength. That's gonna be, um, you know, 30, 45% of one rep max. I do like barbell squats for this. Um, I do, I don't like deadlifts as much here, um, unless you're using like a, um, I, I kind of favor deficit deadlifts in this in this percentage range. Um, I think that from the floor, from blocks, it's just too easy unless they're feeling really beat up. That might be a good time to use those. But I like deficits because they can generate more uh, uh, more power from a less advantageous position. I, I like I like kind of making it awkward here. Okay, because obviously thirty to forty five percent is going to be super simple for them, and and they're coming into week what is this week ten right? This is week 10. I want to like, they kind of get comfortable around the, around this time. This is, uh, they're two and a half months into this thing. I like to kind of switch things up on their pulls. Um, their jumps or excuse me, their, their squats. We might do them from a high box. We might do them off of pins. We might do what I'm trying to do is go off of a higher surface. I'm putting out an Instagram video on this, this week, talking about high box squats and all the box squat heights. Those high box squats are going to have a high carryover. Uh, shout out to Michael Fahey for pointing this out to me. The higher box squats are going to have a, have a much greater carryover to their, um, to their jumps. And we know that if their jumps go up, their sprint times are going down, and which is what we want. So I like to do, make this one awkward. We work in that 30 to 45% range on their dynamic day. And then their plyo day, this is where we get really athletic. We're going to focus on a couple things. Reactive strength index, ground contact times, and higher repetition jumps. Okay, so reactive strength index. We want to um, uh, we want to get off of whatever surface we're making contact with as fa- fast as possible. If the if the box height is too high for them and they're dropping off that thing and they have to load up for like what feels like an eternity before they before they you know rebound and jump back up. It's, you're not going to get the desired effect, okay? Talking about ground contact time, we want to keep that under 0.2 seconds, okay? Two-tenths of a second. Under two-tenths of a second to get the, the desired adaptation, okay? So these are really fast. And then lastly, because they're so fast, we're going to want to include a lot of cyclical jumps, right? Like the, the repeat method, okay? We want to be doing like, I mean, if I'm whipping out the hurdles, I'm doing five-plus hurdles, so they're, they're doing bunny hops over five hurdles uh, plus for a set, right? 
Um, this is more of the reactive stuff. This could be bounding. This could be hurdles. This could be um, pogos. You name it. Hopefully, you're doing you know extensive uh, uh, plyometrics year-round to prepare your athletes and keep their ankles strong. But if you're not, this is a great time to include them. Okay? So, as you can see... We are now getting so far into the velocity thing that, 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 you know, the timing of each rep, it is fast, okay? These kids are looking athletic, okay? Things have sped up to the point where their ground contact times are so fast, and it's feeding off of each of the previous stages of their development. Those previous three cycles are now culminating into the product you're now seeing. The athlete is fast. They're primed for, for sports, essentially, and performing their work under time constraints. That is athletics. There's a right way to train and a wrong way to train. You're either developing special strengths or you're just doing random nonsense that's going to yield random results. You have to go in with a plan. Okay? Now, something I should have stated at the beginning. Okay, we're talking about special strengths um, and special exercise and all that stuff, understand this different, there's a difference, okay? Special strengths are dictated by the speed of movement and the contraction type, right? I'll say that again. Special strengths are dictated by the speed of movement, okay? Going back to the force velocity curve, okay? We're talking about uh, velocity speeds, okay? Special exercises bring up weaknesses, Special strengths are dictated by the speed of the movement or the contraction type, and special exercises bring up individual weaknesses. Okay, we're doing special exercises year-round, but special strengths, the higher level the athlete, the more thought you're going to have to put into uh, for how to lay out, you know, their training. So anyways, guys, I hope that helps. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, the... This podcast is most productive when we're getting lots of questions. And I, it's been a while since I've requested questions, but I don't know what, what, what I don't know. I don't know what you guys know, and I don't know what you want to know. So guys, if you have questions for me about anything I talked about today or something completely off the wall, um, whether it's, you know, uh, you want to know how to uh, develop strength out of the hole in your back squat, or you want to know if uh, dry scooping your pre-workout is more effective, <laughs> um, please ask, okay? You can send those questions over to Blake at grindhousegym.com. Remember that's spelled with an H-A-U-S. Um, or hit me up on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Um, just because it just fits my personality type, I guess. Um, that's at Coach Blake Bernard. Ah, I'm sorry. It's Blake Bernard Coaching. Bernard spelled with a U, B-U-R. Blake Bernard Coaching. And uh, just shoot me a DM and I will respond to it immediately. Okay. Uh, confirming that I received it. And that'll be the next thing I talk about on my next podcast. So guys... As always, I appreciate you so, so much um, for bearing with me through the, the ups and downs of this thing. I know I've been so inconsistent, but it's my promise to you. It's on my mind constantly. I'm going to get back to it. Um, we're at 25 minutes today. That's freaking, I, I can do this every week. Okay. So um, you guys, let me know what you want to know. And until next time, hail strength.